Come on, all across the house, why don't you lift your hands and your voice right now? Come on, the chain-breaking power's in the house. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Come on, if you feel liberty in the house of the Lord right now, why don't you lift your hands and your voice? Come on, why don't you call out to Him? Come on, you can leave free tonight. Come on, you can leave change tonight. Why don't you lift your voice a little bit louder? Come on, connect with the Holy Ghost that's in this house right now. Oh, yeah, that's it. Why don't you put your hands together now? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, I praise you, Lord. Thankful for what I feel in the house of the Lord on a Tuesday night. Thankful for the chain-breaking power that's here, that's visiting with us here. Um, I don't want to take too much of your time tonight. I know you've had a long day of work. Uh, you're probably hungry. I don't want to get in the way between you and dinner. Um, so if you have your Bible, it's going to be reading from Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16 is get your Bible and you're turning there. I want to give honor to your pastor, though he's not here, uh, Brother Bradford. Give honor to him, a hero in the faith. And I want to give honor to uh, Bishop Frost. I want to give honor to Bishop Frost. I was thinking um, about Bishop Frost on the way to church this evening. And the words of a poet came to me when he was writing from the stance of a younger generation. And he said, if my generation ever sees farther than before, it is only because we're standing on the shoulders of giants that have come before us. And Brother Frost is a literal and spiritual giant to the apostolic movement, and we give him honor. We give him honor. And I want to give honor to this great uh, church. What a wonderful, wonderful congregation, and what a wonderful revival, apostolic, growing church this is. And I'm so thankful that you allowed me to jump in and be a part of service on Sunday, and what a move of God we had on Sunday. I'm thankful that the Lord met us here in a mighty way, and, and I'm expecting him to do the same uh, tonight. Judges chapter 16 reading from verse 16 to 22 the bible says and it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so his soul was vexed unto death that he told her all his heart and said unto her there hath not come a razor upon my head for i have been a nazarite unto god from my mother's womb if i be shaven then my strength will go from me I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has showed me all his heart. Then the lord of the Philistines came unto her and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head and she began to afflict him and his strength went from him she said the philistines be upon thee samson and he awoke out of his sleep and said i will go out as other times before and shake myself and he wished not that the lord was departed from him 
But the Philistines took him and put his eyes out and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. I want to focus on verse 22. The Bible says, How be it the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. How be it the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. And I, I said I'm not going to be long, and I plan on just preaching and getting out of the way and letting the Holy Ghost work. I want to preach to you from the subject, let your hair grow again. Let your hair grow again. Would you set your Bibles down? Lift your hands, lift your voice all across the building one more time and ask God that he would speak to us in a mighty way. Come on, why don't you lift your voice and ask him that he would deal with you tonight. God, Jesus, come on, that's it. Why don't you put your hands together now? Oh, we praise you, God. We praise you, God. We praise you, God. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Though in our text we see Samson at a very low place in life, his life was actually one that consisted of victory and triumph. The reason he was so powerful and victorious was because of his consecration to God in keeping the Nazarite vow. In Judges 13, the story of Samson's birth is recorded, and we learn that his mother was not able to bear children. She was barren. But in verse 3 of that same chapter, the angel of the Lord appeared unto her, and he told her that she would bear a son. But that is not all the angel told her. From verse 4 to 5 of chapter 13 of Judges, the angel would tell her that, that Samson, her son, would, would have to live by some restrictions and live by something called the Nazarite vow. Samson was going to be a Nazarite unto God in the words of the angel. He was going to live a life of consecration and dedication to the will of God and the purpose of God in his life. The way Samson must live according to the Nazarite vow was number one, Samson's hair was to remain uncut. And number two, he was supposed to separate himself from wine or any strong drink. And number three, he should not go near anything that was dead. Those who kept the Nazarite vow did so because they were living separate unto the Lord. And for the most part of Samson's life, he did that. He fulfilled the vow, and he remained consecrated unto God. And, and in doing so, we see Samson, how he operated in power, and he operated in victory, and he lived a life full of dominion over the adversary. You can read in Judges chapter 14, verses 5 and 6, the Bible tells us about a lion who came to Samson and he roared against him in verse 6 of that same chapter. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid, and he had nothing in his hands. Samson's private life of consecration began to display itself in the public. I want to stop for a second and remind you that it matters how you live when no one is watching. 
A private life of consecration to prayer or fasting and devotion to God when the curtain is closed and no one sees what you're doing is what will give you power when the enemy comes against you. We must learn to remain consecrated to God in a private place. Judges 14 and 19, we see Samson slay 30 Philistines who were dishonest about the truth of his riddle. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he went down from Ashkelon and he slew 30 men and he took their spoils and gave the change of the garments unto them that expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled and he went up into his father's house. And probably the most famous all of, of, of Samson's victories was Judges chapter 15 and 14. Samson with the jawbone of a donkey slays a thousand Philistines. The Bible says when they came up to Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that were burnt with fire, and the bands loosed from off his hands, and he goes on to slay a thousand Philistines. I want you to notice that every time Samson came against the enemy, the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The reason why is when you learn how to please God in a secret place of consecration, he will begin to reward you openly. When you begin to consecrate yourself to God in private, his spirit will begin to carry you through in the public place or the public arena against your adversary. Don't ever allow yourself to forget that it's by the power of God that we live a life of victoriousness against the enemy. It's not by my might and it's not by your might and it's not by our strength, but it's by our spirit, saith, by his spirit, saith the Lord. We must never forget that we need to find ourselves a secret place of consecration and dedication to God that when we come against the adversary we know that God is standing behind us and he's going before us and we have the spirit of God because the Bible says that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world we must never forget that if we're going to live a life of victory it's going to be because we have a private life of dedication in consecration to God. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, he would teach us about living a private life of consecration to him. Matthew 6, 3 through 4, he would talk about giving. And he would say, But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thy alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. He would talk about prayer in verse 6 of the same chapter. He said, but thou, when thou prayest, said, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, thy pray to thy father which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. He would talk about fasting in Matthew 6, 17 through 18. He said, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Why does God want us doing these things to secret unto him? It's because he wants you to be intimate with him. He wants you to have an intimate relationship with him. And nothing shows intimacy more than dedicating yourself in private. 
Your day-to-day consecration behind closed doors is what will sustain your walk with God. I want to remind you when Jesus was talking with his disciples, he would, he, he, they would say that, that, that people would come to him and, and they would say that we cast out devils in your name. We cast out devils in your name and Jesus would look at them and he would say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. We can't allow ourselves to get so caught up on demonstration of God's power and the miraculous works of Sunday night that we neglect the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday life of prayer and dedication and devotion to God. Because he said at the end of it all, he wants to know if he knew you. He wants to know if he's seen you in the prayer room on Monday. And he wants to know if he's seen you reading the word on Tuesday. And he wants to know if you lived a life of dedication and consecration in a private place. God is interested in knowing you in an intimate way. When it's all said and done, it's not about the demonstration, the miracles, the signs, and the wonders. Those have its place, don't get me wrong, but, but when it's all said and done, he wants to know if, if I knew you. Have I seen you in the secret place? Have I seen you in the private time of prayer where no one's there to pat you on the back and tell you good job? God wants us to have an intimate relationship with him. The narrative of Samson tells us how little by little in his life consecration began to mean less and less to him. Samson would touch corpses repeatedly when when removing honey out of the lion's carcass and collecting bodies at Ashkelon, and, and he began to break his vow and his consecration to the Lord. It was little steps of laying down his consecration to God that put Samson in the lap of Delilah. The things that Samson had already laid down at the altar of compromise were just the beginning of his fall. The final nail in the coffin would be Samson shaving his head. While While with Delilah, we see Samson, he flirts with compromise three times before he actually shows him, shows her his heart. And each time he he, he told her something that wasn't actually the truth, just flirting with maybe, maybe letting up on his consecration and maybe letting up on his dedication to God. And each time we see Samson was able to, to shake himself out of the, the chains or the binds that the, the enemy was trying to put him in. And, and Samson began to, to learn that maybe he could neglect his consecration to God and, and just shout his way out of Uh, the bind that the enemy is putting him in. Somewhere Samson began to get more and more confused and finally he, he tells Delilah about his consecration to God of his uncut hair. So she orders his hair to be cut while he is sleeping. The Bible says in Judges chapter 16 and 20, and she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at the other times before and shake myself. But he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. Samson thought he could shake himself into victory because it had worked the time before. But he was ignorant of the fact that the Lord had now departed from him because of his neglect to consecration. 
Let me remind us tonight, church, and let us never forget that the only reason we may be able to shake off the attacks of the enemy and the advances of the enemy against us and the chains that the enemy tries to throw on us and bind us in is because somewhere along the road of life, we learn that consecrating ourselves to God in a secret place is how we would get power to be the victor rather than the victim. We need to never forget that it's not all about a Sunday night shout that'll give us liberty and freedom, but it's about that Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday life of prayer and visiting the presence of God after work and getting up early in the morning and devoting yourself to reading his word that'll give you power over the adversary I don't know if you 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 forgot about this but the Bible still says submit yourselves therefore unto God resist the devil and he will flee from you Resistance of the enemy still takes you first, submitting yourself to consecration to God and dedication to God. It's not all about a shake and a shout, but there's got to be a point in your walk with God when the rubber meets the road and you make up your mind. It's, this isn't just a Sunday thing. This isn't just a Tuesday night thing. But every day of my life, I'm going to find myself a secret place and I'm going to get a hold of God. Every day of my life, I'm going to find myself an altar, and I'm going to build that altar day after day after day. And while you're doing that, you're submitting yourself to God. And the next time the adversary comes and he tries to tempt you, it'll be a whole lot easier to resist the devil, and you'll watch him flee. Wise, Because you've been putting stone after stone on that altar. You've been putting fire after fire and wood after wood on that day a day prayer life and consecration to God it takes a life a private life of consecration to God to live a life of victory against the adversary Daniel Daniel is one that understood that it was consecration unto God that was bringing him victory in his life he he was conspired against by the presidents, the governors, the princes, the counselors, and the captains of the Babylonian kingdom. And as they pro proposed the decree unto their king that no prayers should be made to any god for 30 days except to the king, Daniel, he, he, he didn't allow that to affect his day-to-day -day life of consecration to God. The king signs this decree that, that no one should make petition or prayer to any other god or any, any other king besides the king of Babylon. And Daniel's response is found in Daniel 6 and 10. The Bible says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks to God uh, before his God as he did aforetime. 
In the midst of all hell breaking loose in his life, Daniel just kept on doing what he had been doing. The scripture says aforetime, letting us know that Daniel had been praying. It was not all of a sudden trying to get his life together and, and trying to find himself a place to pray because all hell was breaking loose in his life. But let me tell you, when that adversary came against Daniel, Daniel had been building up his altar. Daniel had been living a life of consecration. And the Bible says that Daniel just sort of, sort of just shrugged his shoulders at the enemy, opened up the windows in his chamber, and bowed his knees and said, I'm just going to keep on living consecrated to God. I'm just going to keep on praying. I'm just... Daniel made up in his mind, there's no adversary and there's no enemy that's big enough to come against me if I remain consecrated to God. The best offense is, is a good defense. Get consecrated now and don't wait till all hell has broken loose in your life to try to find a prayer life. Don't wait till your kids have gone crazy and your home is full of chaos and you have no peace in your life to try to get consecrated. But right now you need to make up your mind while everything might be going good and say, God, every day I'm going to find myself a secret place and I'm going to remain consecrated to you. It doesn't matter what I have, what price I have to pay, how long I have to stay. Every day I'm going to connect with your spirit, God. Don't be, don't be like Jonah. You read the story of Jonah. God was calling Jonah to, to a calling in the kingdom. But Jonah just, just couldn't make up his mind that he was going to listen and obey the voice of God and be consecrated to God. Jonah has to go through all kinds of different circumstances and all kinds of different things and and finally in the story of Jonah you can go read it just help, let me paraphrase you see the story of Jonah and he's in that ship and being rocked to and fro and finally he he's thrown overboard he's swallowed by the great fish and 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 you never read anything about Jonah being consecrated to God praying to God not nothing until Jonah's at the bottom of the fish and at the bottom of the ocean and finally, the Bible says, Jonah prayed unto God. Don't wait till your life is in shambles and, and your life's broken up and messed up to try to pray to God. But like I said, you need to make up your mind tonight. You need to say, God, I'm consecrating myself tonight. I'm deciding it in my heart that I'm going to continue walking in this great truth, that I'm going to continue praying on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday. God, I'm not just going to rely on a Sunday night shout and a Tuesday night pick me up, but every day, God, I'm going to find myself a secret place. Every day, God, I'll remain consecrated to you. Though, though Samson in his story had compromised pretty much every bit of his consecration he had to God, the Bible says in Judges 16.22, Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after it was shaven. I want you to think about this for a second. Samson has had his eyes plucked out. 
He's in prison, bound by the enemy. He's grinding at the mill, head shaven, probably full of shame and regret. Samson, I'm sure, just is in that prison. He reaches up and feels the hair of his head growing again. I want you to think that how easy it would have been for Samson to get bitter. The Bible says that Samson, he said, I'll shake myself as I have all the other times. I can't tell you how many saints of God I've seen get bitter because they've come into the house of God on a Sunday night and they had problems in their life and there were situations they were struggling with and, and they come up here and they get their little shout on and they go home and it's all right. Just like Samson, it seems like God's taking care of it. They come up and they do it again and God done it again. But then there's this one time and they come up and there's something they've really been just, you know, God, I, I've been struggling with this. This has been coming against me. I feel like I'm really fighting this. And they come up and they shout and nothing happens. The enemy's still warring against them and still fighting against them. Can't tell you how many people I've seen get disgruntled and get upset because all of a sudden it's God, where are you? I'm in the midst of my problems and my troubles and, and I'm doing what I've done all the other times before, God. I'm coming to Sunday night alive and I'm shouting and I'm dancing and, and the chains aren't falling off. I'm coming and I'm dancing and I'm trying to shake it off, God, but still my life's in a mess and my, my family's chaotic and I have no peace. They get bitter and they get disgruntled and they, they, they question the sovereignty of God. Where are you now, God? Where's your power at now, God? When I read this, I thought Samson could have, could have reached up and felt the hair on his head growing back and been upset and angered because, God, you've done it for me all the times before, but... But all of a sudden, God, you left me, and, and now I'm missing my side, and I'm, I'm bound by the enemy, and I'm grinding at the mill, and I've been embarrassed, and I've, I've been the laughing stock of the community. But the Bible, the Bible doesn't tell us Samson got bitter, but Samson got better. He allowed his hair to grow again. I believe it's because something deep down in Samson he knew it was, it was not God's fault, but somewhere along the line, he laid that consecration down. And he realized, God, if, if you'll just give me one more chance, God, I'll never do it again. God, if you just let this hair grow back, I'm not going to get bitter. I'm not going to get upset. But God, every day I'm going to find myself that secret place. And I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on fasting. If you'll just give me that victory that I used to have and that triumph that I used to live with, God, I'll never leave it again. Samson, he, he let that hair grow again. He learned that that it was not himself that were breaking the bands of the enemy that were binding him up. 
but that it was God that was doing it in honor of his consecration to him in the secret place. See, because Psalms 107, 13, and 14, the Bible says, Then they cried unto the Lord, and they're troubled, and they're troubled, and he saved them out of their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and he breaks their bands asunder. Samson learned the important lesson that only God can break the bands of the enemy in your life. You've got to have a life of consecration. You have to understand that, that there's levels, levels of problem, levels of, of things that you'll come against, and, and you have to remain consecrated to God. Musicians, you can come. I'm coming to a close. Jesus taught his disciples a very valuable lesson about the importance of consecration. You can read in Matthew chapter 9 when a father brought his son who was vexed with spirits to Jesus. He tells Jesus in Mark 19, 9 and 18, excuse me, Mark 9 and 18, the Bible says, Wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and he gnasheth his teeth, and pinneth him away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. His father, the troubled son in his life, he, he comes to Jesus and he says, I, I've brought my, my troubled son before your disciples. He said, I've brought my son who, who anywhere we go, he, he, he's... He's tormented and he's, he's in stress and he's, he's, he's bound by the enemy. And he says, I brought him to your disciples. And he says, they, they could not help him. The man tells Jesus that your disciples could not deliver my boy. Jesus spoke in Mark 9 and 25 and rebuked the spirit and it came out of the boy. Verse 26. And Jesus took the boy by the hand and he rose up and he went on his way healed and delivered. The problem was no more for the father and the boy. But the story does not end there. Mark 9 and 29, the Bible says when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? Why could we not have victory over this problem? That this boy was suffering from not knowing why they were unable to cast out the spirit from the boy they probably a little embarrassed which is why they came privately to Jesus they asked him what what was it that was not giving us the power to overcome the adversary that was attacking this boy Jesus responds to them in verse 29 and he said unto them this kind, everybody say this kind, can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. You see, his disciples were probably so confused just because there had probably been previous instances where they encountered someone with a problem. It was no big deal for them to go over and lay their hands on him and watch that problem vanish away.
But see, Jesus was trying to teach his, his disciples a valuable lesson that I want us all to get tonight. And that, that, that's that there's, there's levels to problems and needs and situations in our life. There will be things you come against that you will be able to come up on a Sunday night and shout and, and dance and get freedom from. There will be things just like those disciples that you'll be over to go over against and rebuke in the name of Jesus and it's gone. But then there will be some problems and there will be some situations that Jesus will refer to as this kind. These are the problems that you just can't seem to get victory over. You come up and you shout on Sunday night and, and you leave feeling a little bit better than what you came, but, but you still don't feel that liberty and that freedom that you long for. These are the problems that haunt you day after day after day, never able to get victory over. Jesus would say this kind, these kinds of problems that you come against, you'll never have victory over them until you learn to consecrate yourself in prayer and fasting. He said, boys, I know you, you probably have encountered some problems before and, and it didn't take all that prayer and fasting. It didn't take all that consecration and, and dedication to the things of God. He said, but, but let me tell you, there's going to be some problems that just are so big in your eyes. And, and you, you just feel like you're never going to have victory over them. He said, boys, this kind, this kind you'll never have victory over. Till you learn how to consecrate yourself in prayer and fasting. I want us to stand all across the building right now. Eyes closed. Let's not look around. Let's not be worried about the person next to us. But I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost sent me tonight to tell somebody that's been battling a problem that you just feel like you can't get victory over. You've been battling this situation that you just can't seem to shake off on Sunday night. And you just can't seem to get victory over by that, that Tuesday night word. God sent this preacher to tell you, it's time to consecrate yourself in a secret place. If you want victory over that problem, it's time to find yourself a private place of prayer and say, God, I'm going to consecrate myself day in and day out to your word and consecrate myself day in and day out to prayer. I'm telling you, you want victory over that problem that Jesus would refer to as this kind. All you gotta do is make up your mind tonight. God, I'm dedicating and consecrating myself to you. Come on, I'm opening up these altars. I want us all to come and I want us all to make up our minds tonight. God, I'm going to live a life full of consecration and dedication to your will. God, I know that problem I've been struggling with seems big, but if I could just remain consecrated to your will, I know I have victory over it. God, I know it seems unbeatable, and it seems like I'll never have victory. I'm telling you, all you got to do is consecrate yourself to prayer and to fasting. Come on. It's time to make it up in your mind and in your heart. 
God, I'm going to consecrate myself. I'm going to build myself an altar. And day after day after day, I'm going to visit that place of prayer. And God, I'm going to find victory in being consecrated to you.